you may know that I teach a weekly Parsha class here at ICAR in Los Angeles every Thursday at noon uh, Pacific time. You're welcome. Um, we've got folks joining us virtually from places as far away as Japan on, on Zoom. And uh, we've been archiving video edits of the classes on YouTube, but we thought we might try cutting down the one hour class to about 40 minutes for you, for the listeners of the Best Book Ever podcasts that might not be able to fit a midday class on a Thursday into your schedule. So I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy teaching them. Um, if you're interested to attend the class from wherever you are in the world in person, then stick around at the end of the podcast. I'll tell you how to register. Um, just like the podcast, it's absolutely free and we'd love to have you. All right. Uh, welcome, everybody. Welcome. And uh, uh, that uh, Aerosmith song <laughs> to tease off our theme for the day, which is dreams. We're going to look at dreams today. And of course, there are two, at least two huge names in Jewish history um, that are associated with dreams. And one of them is Sigmund Freud, <laughs> of course. And um, uh, but the other great name uh, is um, is a figure that that lived uh, long before Freud's dream interpretations, and that is uh, Joseph. Joseph, uh, the dream interpreter. Uh, that's actually there. Joseph is one of the most um, incredibly textured characters in the Torah, uh, right up there. Um, uh, and there are many things that uh, that Joseph is um, is is known for, uh, but I I'm, I might say that his greatest power, or at least the one that 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 propels him to greatness, uh, uh, is his power of dream interpretation. And it's a power he he just seems to have um, naturally. Although that's one of the questions I want to be asking today. Where did he get these powers and what are these powers? How does he do the work that he does? And along the way, I want to be asking just generally about how, how, does, that, how does that whole um, field of interpretation work? And what is Freud doing? What, what does it mean to interpret a dream? Can we um, listen to a dream and understand something about, well, I don't know the person, the future, um, th some deep meaning uh, or message from God, maybe from the from the unconscious. These are the sorts of questions that I, I want to be asking um, uh, with you all today. Uh, you, um, I, you, you, you may have seen that I wrote a piece this week uh, for Hadar that will that touched on a lot of these themes. I'm going to put that here in the chat. And um, you can um, you can sign up to get these weekly. But this is this week's um, this is this week's essay. And in that essay, um, I highlighted. I, I'll just start with one thing I said there, and then we're going to go look at other things. But one thing I said there is that um, Joseph is called a dream interpreter, a poter. It's called. That's 
the word, the verb liftor, poter. And, um, and in fact, um, those who are dreaming are seeking a poter, that they, the halom halamnu, we dreamed um, dreams, um, there's nobody to interpret them. This, this is the, this is the thing that they seek is an interpreter. And Joseph becomes that interpreter. And one of the remarkable things that I, that, that I, that I realized in writing this essay that I pointed out this week is that that verb, that word, um, that root interpreter interpretation is only ever used with Joseph. We don't find that word pay tafresh. We'll see it soon. Um, anywhere else in the Hebrew Bible. That's remarkable. So there's something that Joseph is doing uh, that is entirely unique. And I want to spend some time today thinking about what did it, what is it? What did he have? What is it that, that he, that he might, that he might um, uh, be tapped into here? And we are this week in Parshat Miketz. And so um, we're going to, spend most of our time on Pharaoh's dreams. Uh, that's where we begin this week's Parsha is um, hearing Pharaoh's dreams. But uh, I just I'll just say the the obvious structural thing before we begin, um, if we wanted to ask well, what's what's going on with Pharaoh's dreams, what's going on with Joseph's interpretations of Pharaoh's dreams, if we want to get into that, surely we would have to consider that in last week's Parsha, we had another two sets of two dreams, okay? We had two dreams that Joseph dreamed uh, when we first met Joseph. That was the beginning of Parshat Vayeshev. And then we find that at the end of Parshat Vayeshev, Joseph is in prison and there are two prisoners who each have a dream and Joseph interprets them. So there's another set of two dreams and now Pharaoh dreams two dreams. So there's something going on here. Two dreams, two dreams, two dreams. And so uh, we'll be looking at this week's Parsha, but of course asking how those other episodes might inform our understanding of this, of this dream sequence and its interpretation. Okay, let's, uh, let's take a, uh, a blessing uh, pause here, and then we'll get into it. Baruch atadonai lehenu melech haolam asher kidshanu b'mitzvotav etzivanu la'asok b'divrei Torah. Okay. All right, so let's begin. Um, here we are. I'm going to give you a source sheet, and we're going to get right into it by looking at the opening of this week's parsha, parsha miketz, which means, miketz means um, at the end, or from the end, or uh, 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 at the conclusion of Miketz, um, at the conclusion of two years, and those two years are the two years since we heard Joseph interpreting the dreams in prison. And at the end of those interpretations, Joseph says, uh, okay, I've given you an interpretation. Just remember to mention me to Pharaoh. And the Saramashkin, the cupbearer, forgets to mention him to Pharaoh. So he languishes in prison for another two years. And then when Pharaoh has these two dreams and nobody can interpret them, and that's part of the problem, nobody can interpret them. Finally, the, the, the cupbearer says, oh, wait a minute. I remember there was a young Hebrew I was in prison with and he knows how to interpret dreams. Okay, so at the end of those two years of waiting, Joseph is suddenly summoned from prison. All right, here is a source sheet for today. And I wanna just start by taking a look at Pharaoh's dreams, which we actually see 
in full twice in this week's Parsha. We begin with Pharaoh having the dreams. And then when Joseph is summoned, Pharaoh retells Yosef the dreams. And it's pretty much the same thing. So there, we get a lot of this, a lot of review of these two dreams. What I want to do now just to start with is to read through and to ask you, how would you interpret these dreams? And okay, probably many of you are already aware of how they are interpreted and they seem to be interpreted correctly. So it's hard not to say, oh, these dreams are a, a predictor of future famine. That's what Joseph is going to say. But let's try our best to put that out of our minds and just just focus on the dreams themselves. And what, what would you make? Is this, this is famine the answer you would have come up with? Okay, so let's take a look. Um, dream interpretation. Okay. Vayehi, uh, and so it was. It was after two years time and Pharaoh dreamed. This is the word, this is our kind of key word for today. Cholem. He dreamed. Um, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile. When out of the Nile, there came up seven cows. Seven cows, handsome and sturdy. Yafot mare uvriot. And they grazed in the reed grass. But presently, seven other cows came up from the Nile, close behind them, ugly and gaunt. Raot mare vidakot. And they stood beside the cows on the banks of the Nile. Okay, so he's standing near the Nile. Seven nice cows come up out of the Nile, which is weird in itself. And then they, then seven other cows come up, um, shriveled and 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 unhealthy. And then the ugly gaunt cows ate up the seven handsome sturdy cows. And Pharaoh awoke. That's it. Dream one. Um, seven uh, healthy cows come up out of the Nile. Seven other. Uh, unhealthy cows come up out of the Nile, the unhealthy ones eat the healthy ones. Now, what would you do with that dream? What does that mean? Do you have any inclination? Oh, that's my, what it might, what do cows symbolize? What does seven symbolize? Why are they coming up out of the Nile? What, what, why fat? Why skinny? All of these questions. But Pharaoh dreams two dreams. And so let's take a look at the other one um, because Joseph will do the same thing. He will he will interpret them both together. So let's take a look at what the other one is. And it's similar. And Pharaoh woke, and then he fell asleep and dreamed a second time. Um, seven ears of grain, solid and healthy, grew on a single stock. Sheva shibalim olot bekanechat. And they were briot vetovot, solid and healthy. This is the same language of healthy that we had with the cows, but close behind them sprouted seven ears, thin and scorched by the um, by the east wind. Shbalim dakot ushdufot kadim somchot achreem. Okay, and the thin ears swallowed up the seven solid and full ears. Okay, so you can tell this is a parallel dream, but obviously there's a there's a big difference which is that they are uh, uh, plants instead of cows, and they're not coming up out of the Nile either. Oh, so, so there are some differences, but the, but the thin, unhealthy st uh, stalks of grain are, so, are swallowing up the healthy, nice, beautiful stalks of grain. 
And then that's it. Then Pharaoh awoke and it says, uh, and, and it was a dream. Okay, so you know that moment when you wake up, you've had a nightmare and oh my goodness, thank goodness it's a dream. So that's that's what it says here. It was a dream. Okay. Next morning, his spirit was agitated. And he sent for all the magician priests of Egypt, and all of its uh, sages, its chokmeha, uh, and he told them his dream. And then here's the here's the problem. And none of them could interpret Pharaoh's dream. Here's the verb that I said is exclusively used for Joseph, right? Here. There is there was no, oops, sorry. There was nobody to interpret them. And Joseph is going to be that person. Ooh, and Joseph is going to be that person. And um, and 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 that's that's um that's what that's what he 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 becomes known for. So there's some sense that dream interpretation is possible. That he's searching for dream interpretation. He's asking, he's got he's got all kinds of you would think dream interpretation. That's just the area that sorcerers and um prognosticators and wise uh people would be able to um would be able to deal with, but nobody can deal with it. Okay, so let's just stop here and before we get into Joseph's interpretation, and again, I don't want to hide the ball. It's obvious um, because we've we you know we go through these stories again and again. Joseph says that the seven years, seven healthy cows are seven good years, and the seven unhealthy cows are seven bad years. There's going to be seven good years, and then there's going to be seven bad years, and the seven bad years are the years of famine that will like do away with all of the seven good years. All right, so that's that's Joseph's interpretation. Is there? Would you would you go in a different direction? What do you see in this dream? By the way, I, I just I don't know that Joseph interprets it correctly. Maybe you have a better interpretation. Okay, so let's start with Elizabeth. Um, you know how they say that um, you are all all the people in your dream, and mm -hmm. so one interpretation could be that this is all about Pharaoh. That this is seven good things he's done and seven bad things he's done or seven healthy things in him and seven unhealthy things in him and so maybe the way i would have helped him interpret it would have been that would have been look at your own behavior and look at how you you know how have you been with your children how have you been with your wife how have you been with your parents what are the different aspects of you and might might there be something positive and negative um, in in those behaviors? So I, would, I might have done a psychological number on him. <laughs> Good. Okay. Uh, beautiful and well put. And um, that's a that's a compelling interpretation. Um, and you're you're also suggesting something about uh, the meaning of 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 dreams. That is. Uh, in this story, the dreams again and again are taken to be like predictive of future events. That's interesting. The Torah seems to present dreams as sort of pseudo prophecies. But Elizabeth is reminding us or, or just speaking from a you know a, a modern voice and um, and 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 framing dreams as an insight into the person dreaming. I think that feels much more intuitive to us now and and you know, maybe just naturally intuitive. Dreams are something that are happening in inside your head. 
they're often, you know, you know, like kind of weird products of your own fears, anxieties, um, self, like they're, these are your thoughts. So let's use them to understand you. If you have like a, you know, a, a, a dream about, you know, um, standing naked in front of the classroom and, you know, then that's probably not because you're going to stand naked in front of the classroom. You are going security. That's the way we might use dreams to, to, to analyze not the, the world, but the, but the subject. Okay. So that's, that's good. And, and that provides a kind of contrast that, that we, we can use to think about these dreams. Um, Noah Pollock. Yeah, there I, I have one uh, sort of religious interpretation with the number seven that's seemingly always a constant within the Torah, the seven cycles of seven with Shavuot, the seven days and Sabbath. But here I'm just seeing that he's seen seven beasts rising up from a source of life and Pharaoh being the king is a provider of life for Egypt or pretty much quote unquote the god god king of Egypt and that he's seen them come up from another from the water and that's odd because these two these two things don't usually exist in in comparison but then the then another seven come seven cows come up uh odd enough now we have 14 so with 14 there there's oh i'm just going with the, the seven weeks seven sabbaths good good okay good so First of all, uh, Noah focuses our attention on numbers. And there are numbers in all of the all of Joseph's dreams. There are um, there are eleven uh, um, uh, uh, stalks of grain or bundles of grain that bow down to him. Um, in in the um, dreams of the prisoners, there are three items which correspond to three days. So there's some kind of like tracking of the numbers and their meaning for some other numbered thing in the world. And that's a good example of, ah, I see. So if we look at all these sets of dreams, we begin to develop a dream language and, and Noah's helping us do that. And Noah's saying in this case, the number is seven and there couldn't be a more significant number in the Torah. So surely we have to think about, you know, seven days of, of the week, seven years in the sabbatical cycle, seven. I mean, we don't have these laws yet, but this is baked into Jewish tradition we certainly have the seven days of creation and so we should speculate we should take the numbers within the tor there's you know there's like the the world of the dreamer and then there's the whole world of the torah and its set of associations and maybe that's the way we ought to as readers of the torah be interpreting dreams just the way we might interpret any other passage in the torah by looking for all kinds of other um connections um, in the language and the laws of the Torah. Okay, so we can play around with with numbers here as Noah's starting to do. Let's hear a few more thoughts. Payam. 
I actually think there's a second obvious interpretation and Joseph didn't say it on purpose. And that being that the Jewish slaves are going to rise up against the Egyptians. Because if you think about the thinness, I mean, those are the slaves and the agricultural references. And Egypt is clearly the fat cows and the fat corn. And I think Joseph knew that, but he purposely didn't say that because of the repercussions of that. Ah, ah, okay, okay, good, okay. Uh, I, uh, this is, Payam's, Payam's gotten to us, uh, gotten us to a, 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 a exactly a, uh, uh, where I, where I was hoping we would, we would quickly arrive, which is the question of whether Joseph's interpretations are correct. And Pharaoh is convinced. You will see Pharaoh is convinced and we act for the rest of the of the book of Genesis as if Joseph has successfully interpreted the dreams and is carrying it all out. But there are other possible interpretations. And as Joseph, we're, 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 I'm going to I'm going to just put a pin in this and come back to it, because as Joseph begins to interpret the dreams, there there, there are there are a number of uh, of questions we can ask. Um, uh, 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 with with regard to his method and whether what he we're getting from him is exactly what he thinks, what we should think, what 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 is really happening in Pharaoh's head. Okay, so that's and and Pyam suggested an alternative. Why why isn't this dream about about the 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 un the malnourished slaves rising against their their fat oppressors? That's that sounds like a good interpretation. But that doesn't that wouldn't that wouldn't be a, a happy interpretation for Pharaoh. So one begins to wonder what is Joseph, how is he deciding what he says and what he filters? Okay, Bob. I think there's something very unfair uh, about this at this point. And it's because Freud has taught us that a dream has to be interpreted after you hear it presented to you by the dreamer. And so that the differences between the dream as we've read them so far and the dream as Pharaoh repeats it or them to Joseph are very, very important differences. And those are the things that enable uh, Joseph, I think, to make some interpretations that are relevant. And without that, you know, we can't automatically say, well, okay, Pharaoh, the uh, source of life is by the river, the source of life, but we don't yet know the degree to which Pharaoh personally is related to the land of Egypt and cares about the land of Egypt and the source of life, all of which is only showing up once we hear how Pharaoh describes the dream differently than what we've read already. Good. Okay, great. So, uh, Bob uh gives and now we can really begin to ask the question okay what's joseph doing here and is he doing is he doing it right is he doing it honestly what's what exactly is joseph's method so i'm not going to read this whole thing because some of this we've seen before but let's let's see what we have to read here okay this is um pharaoh summons joseph up, up from the prison and he says i've had a dream but no one can interpret it and now I've heard it said of you that for you to hear a dream is to interpret it, is to tell its meaning. When you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Now, this is really important, this response, because this is one clue into Joseph's method, whatever that method is. Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, um, Biladai, not me, 
Elohim yane et shalom parel. God will see to Pharaoh's welfare. Now, that, even that phrasing is a little vague. Not me. God will see to Pharaoh's welfare. Okay, so that seems to mean that God's going to interpret the dream. Although we don't have the voice of God come in at any point. But okay, Pharaoh then says to Joseph, okay, in my dream, I was standing on the bank of the Nile and I went out of the Nile. I'm wondering if we have to read all of this. There's, uh, we'll just read through quickly. When out of the Nile came up seven sturdy and well-formed cows and grazed in the reed feet grass. Presently, they followed them seven other cows, scrawny and ill-formed and emaciated. Never had I seen their likes for ugliness in all of Egypt. Okay, uh, we we were wondering before, what it, Bob was wondering, what did he, what does Pharaoh add when he um, tells the dream? Well, this is, this is an addition. Never before had I seen their, their likes for ugliness in all of Egypt. Um, and then, sorry, and then the seven lean and ugly cows ate up the first seven cows, the sturdy ones. But when they had consumed them, one could not tell that they had consumed them for they looked just as bad as before. That's also an addition. And I awoke. And in my other dream, I saw seven years of grain full and healthy growing on a single stock, but right behind them sprouted seven years shriveled thin and scorched by the east wind. And the thin ears swallowed the seven healthy ears. I have told my magician priests, but none of them has an explanation for me. Okay, so those are Pharaoh's dreams. That, that's him retelling his dreams. We saw a couple of additions, but mostly it's what we had seen before. And now comes Joseph's interpretation. So this is this is what we're 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 evaluating. What what is Joseph doing here? And and why does Joseph say this? Joseph said to Pharaoh, Chalom Paro Echadhu. Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dream is one. Pharaoh has been told what God is about to do. The seven healthy cows are seven years, and the seven healthy ears are seven years. It is one dream. The seven lean and ugly cows that followed are seven years, as are also the seven empty ears scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I have told Pharaoh. Pharaoh has been shown what God is about to do. Immediately ahead are seven year, years of great abundance in all the land of Egypt. After them will come seven years of famine, and all the abundance in the land of Egypt will be forgotten as the land is ravaged by famine. No trace of the abundance will be left in the land because of the famine thereafter, for it will be very severe. As for Pharaoh having had the same dream twice, it means that the matter has been determined by God and that God will soon carry it out. Okay? Now, that's the dream... That's the dream interpretation. The dream interpretation is seven good years will be followed by seven years of famine and the seven years of famine will do away with all the seven good years. Now, Yosef gives advice afterwards. And I want to ask as we head into that, is this also from the dream or is this just Yosef? So let's take a look at Yosef's advice. Accordingly, let Pharaoh find someone who is discerning and wise, whom you can set over the land of Egypt, and let Pharaoh take steps to appoint overseers over the land and organize the land of Egypt in the seven years of plenty. Let all the food of these good years that are coming be gathered and let the grain be collected under Pharaoh's authority as food to be stored in the cities. Let that food be a reserve for the land for seven years, for the seven years of famine which will come upon the land of Egypt, so that the land may not perish in the famine. Okay, so save up during the seven good years. Okay, 
That's it. That's Joseph's advice. And the last piece here is that the plan pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, could we find another like him, a man with the divine spirit? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is none so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my court and by your command shall all my people be directed. Only with respect to the throne shall I be superior to you. Okay. That was a lot of reading. I'm sorry, but that's just, we. I want to get all of our all of our data points out there before we do our last round of interpretation. But okay, now you have it. We repeated Pharaoh's dreams. Perhaps you saw some extra details. And then Joseph is summoned, gives his interpretation, starts by the way by saying, only God sees to your welfare. But then Joseph gives an interpretation. And then Joseph says, and based on that interpretation, what, what do you, here's what you should do. And everybody loves it. So I return to the question that I started with, which is what is Joseph doing? And is he is this the right interpretation? What do you see in here? I mean, again, this is a little bit of a an unfair question because what do you mean the right interpretation? There are seven years of famine. So didn't it perhaps the Torah means us to understand Joseph is predicting the future. This is a form of prophecy. That's a good way to read this. But are there other ways of reading? Is there, are, there, are there parts of Joseph that are entering into this? Are there parts of Joseph's scheme that is entering into this? Are there different ways to interpret the dream? Okay, so let's take our last 10 minutes and try to get as many takes on that as we can. Let's start with Yonatan. Is it Joseph or is it the dream? It's, it's both. And I would love to claim credit for for what I'm about to say, but really I just learned it from Rabbi Abba Jacobson that a dream on its own doesn't mean anything. That the you need an interpreter and the interpreter's interpretation not only changes the meaning of the dream, but to the extent that the dream has power, the interpreter's interpretation changes reality. The um, Rabbi um, Yochanan ben Zakkai used this to get us rabbinic Judaism. He negotiated with Vespasian to interpret his dream in a way that would be favorable to Vespasian. But if we don't believe in the power of interpretation, then why would that matter, right? Um, and Rabbi Jacobson quoted a Talmud that I, I don't remember exactly where it is. I think it's in Berachot, that uh, there was a dream interpreter who um, a man came to him and said, I had a dream that I was standing in a port and the ship was sailing away. And the dream interpreter said, oh, that means you're going to die. And the man died. The interpreter's colleagues all said, uh, that was a harsh interpretation. Like, you could have read this a million different ways. And the interpreter said, yeah, he didn't pay me enough last time he came to have a dream read. <laughs> um, and so and that way, the interpreter basically killed the client. Um, you, Joseph here has the role very much. I mean, even if you don't believe in this power of interpretation, in stepping into this role, he makes his interpretation correct. Um, mm. And in so doing, he manifests the will of God. Yeah. Okay, great. This is great. This is sort of an, a really fascinating middle position, because we've been considering the notion that dreams have some hidden message, maybe God is sending them, that Joseph is decoding. Okay. Or, um, on the other hand, this idea that dreams are actually not, not tracking with the real world at all. They're just insights into a person's fears, anxieties, hopes, you know, character, the way that 
A modern psychologist might read dreams. And this is sort of an, an interesting middle position, which is that through the interpretation, part of what an interpretation is, is to render the dream with some applicability to reality. And in doing that, it's almost like you 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 make the dream manifest in the world. And, and Yosef goes further and suggests, and given what I've interpreted, here's how you should act. And that sets in motion a chain of events that is, it, it's as if everybody is now allowed to behave as if this is the meaning of the dream and they carry the, it out that way. And then that becomes the meaning of the dream. So there's some like, there's a way of the, the word poter, interpret, in modern Hebrew also means to solve, right? To, to solve for something. So Joseph comes up with a solution that will account perhaps for the, the premonitions of the dream, but then by, by, by extracting that solution, that becomes the meaning of the dream. And that's, that I think is a fascinating kind of middle ground. And as Yonatan suggested, it's also... Um, it, there's a part of it that sounds metaphysical, like he makes it true, but there's also part of it that's practical, like he puts himself in the position to carry exactly this stuff out, so then it becomes true. So I think that's a really interesting resolution. Jen? Yeah, um, I, I'm struck by a couple of things, and one is that his original dreams have not yet come true, um, and yet between those dreams and the dreams with Pharaoh, he has become the dream guy. Like, they backfired terribly those first dreams and yet I'm imagining him hanging around in Egypt just interpreting everybody's dream <laughs> enthusiastically um and I'm also struck by this idea that I got from listening to Yonatan that the act of interpretation is an act of connecting with God that's kind of what Joseph is saying here which is also what we're doing um, also a huge like foundation of our tradition is the act of interpreting is an act of connecting to God. And Joseph is the one who's like so faithful to that, even when it's not clear that that interpretation is bearing fruit yet. This is so great. What, what Jen is saying is so great because it's, it's so important for not just our understanding of the dream sequences in in, in Genesis, but really our, our whole relationship to Torah, and we are interpreters of Torah. This language of interpret, right, uh, is a very, like, that, that is, 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 is very big for us. To be an interpreter, I often say, I'm looking for interpretations from this group. That's what we, we do with dreams and with language and with the Torah itself as we interpret. And what Jane, what Jen suggested, I think, so powerfully is that interpretation is a kind of human activity, but it is an attempt when we're looking at the Torah or dreams or mysteries of any sort. You know, Jacob, um, Joseph keeps saying, Hala Elohim Pitronim, the, the interpretations are God's. In other words, we do believe that there's some message that's coming from God. So when we interpret, we are kind of drawing out God's message into some, some reality some manifestation and it requires us to get the divine message it, it requires in other words not just the channeling of prophecy but actually the interpreting of some message that says something about dreams but it also says something about all of our interpretation aren't we trying to discern divine message when we interpret the torah but when i do interpret the torah do i know that that's what god was saying i don't know that but i am trying to convey some divine message through the through the method of interpretation, so that's very. I think that's very that's very powerful. All right, one more comment from Richard, um, and then we'll close. Well, 
Uh, this is uh, kind of approaching this from a very different angle, and not so much about whether the dream is true or not, but um, the sort of growth of Joseph in terms of how he handles his dreams as a 17-year-old, and then how he handles his dream as a 30-year-old. As a 17-year-old, he's sort of like this loose cannon that doesn't know that it's, don't talk about the dream, right? And you sort of watch him talk about the dream as this whole independent act of like immaturity. And then in this one, it's sort of about the interplay with being able to exercise this power, but pivot to using it. And so in verse 33, where he immediately goes, but by the way, you know, here, here's what you need. You need, here's the plan and you need someone to run the plan. Um, so it's, it's sort of a partnership, you know, where there's agency and it's not just the dreams handed to you, but you have to seize opportunity. Yeah, that's 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 great, um, uh, Richard, and, and and really helpful. And I feel like as you say that there's some trajectory. It is uh, some Joseph trajectory. How does he go from being the dreamer to the dream interpreter? And now I feel like, oh, what well, what we really need to understand that is the middle set of dreams because that's the that's the transition. And he starts out as a dreamer, and then suddenly, and it's it is. You, sure, he had dreams, so have other people, but it isn't until we get the end of Parsha Vayesh, of last week's Parsha, and the and suddenly the prisoners have had dreams, that Joseph just says, well, tell me your dreams and let's see what we can make of them. Something has happened to him, and remember, what has happened? He's been sold to slavery in Egypt, he's worked in um, and been sexually harassed, and you know, there's he's gone through a, a lot in the interim, and something Richard suggests, and I, I think this is this is another class. This is sort of like the next step here is to try to figure out, okay, how do we get from the first dreams to the second dreams and those middle dreams are critical. Yeah. Um, I, I just, we have one more minute. And so I want to offer one last thing, which is a stream of interpretations that I found um, that, uh, I, uh, that, uh, were, that unlocked at least part of this mystery for me. When I asked the question, um, how did Pharaoh know that J Joseph's dreams were correct? How did he just under, oh, that's it, that's correct. And I wanna just point your attention to what Joseph says that, uh, immediately when Pharaoh gives his dreams. The first thing that Joseph says to Pharaoh is, Pharaoh's dream is one. Chalom paro echadhu. The dream of Pharaoh is one. Okay, now that's, the meaning of that is, you know, in context, oh, it's all about the same thing. But the Sforno, an Italian, uh, 15th century Italian commentator uh, put, uh, takes notice of that language and says um, uh, that Pharaoh noted that all of his professional wise men proceeded from the premise that they had to interpret two separate dreams, but Pharaoh was convinced that it was one dream as he himself had said when telling it and introducing the narrative in verse 22 with the words, Bechalomi, in my dream. So when Joseph said Pharaoh's dream is one, and that is why all your interpreters have failed to come up with the correct answer. In other words, Pharaoh felt somehow that he had had two dreams, but in his gut, he knew that they were one dream. And so, and this is pretty remarkable, if you go back and you look at Pharaoh's dreams, it's always one dream. Hine chalom. It was a dream, not two dreams, but one dream. And he always uses that language to describe, I have had a dream in my dream. Um, and in my, and I inserted other to make it make sense. But really every time Pharaoh says, I've had a dream, I've had a dream, I've had a dream. 
And Joseph picks up on that, that Pharaoh understood something about it. He didn't understand the full meaning, but for all of those who were suggesting that a dream interpreter has to listen carefully to the language of the, of the teller, these comments by the Sephorno suggest exactly that, that Joseph was listening carefully and that he picked up on something that Pharaoh was already feeling. And so that when he filled out the rest of the picture, Pharaoh felt, oh, yes, that's right. It was one dream and whatever else you're, you're saying must be true. So that's a, that is, we've, we've had a lot of um, possibilities um, offered here. And, uh, and I, I won't say that this is the only way to understand Joseph's dream, powers of dream interpretation, but this is one interesting uh, clue that we can read into the language in itself that maybe Joseph was drawing on his old dream experiences and some of the themes that have carried through, but also listening carefully to the language of Pharaoh's telling of his dream and picking up from that um, some some inner insight that Pharaoh has into his own dreams. And I, I agree with those who have said that a dream may have a meaning in itself, but there really is no understanding the dream without understanding how the person dreaming has experienced it and tells it back. So both of those things are at play here. And I think for Joseph as well, um, there's a lot of interpreting going on here. There's dream interpretation, but there's also person interpretation. And probably most psychologists would tell you the same. So... Anyway, uh, that's a that's a good a good uh, a good uh, run through uh, what is uh, what is uh, an area of our Torah that that requires further investigation to be sure the the uh, the area of of dream interpretation. Um, okay, well, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. I will see you next week. Oh, and Hanukkah Sameach. I hope everybody has a beautiful last lighting tonight. Okay, that's it. A taste of our weekly Parsha class. Uh, I want to thank everyone who came to the class. Some of whose voices you may have heard today, uh, some you didn't because the podcast has been edited. So just want to thank everybody. Um, and speaking of editing, I want to thank also our uh, editor, Vera Blossom, for her great work. If you'd like to join our class sometime and come and, and join our, our circle of, of Torah geeks, you can find us uh, again Thursdays, 12 p.m. online at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And, uh, and if you go to the calendar, uh, then you can find a Zoom link and just click in. And, um, and in the section uh, on the website uh, that, that uh, we keep our classes, you can, if you click on Parsha Study, you'll find all of our archive classes and source sheets and everything we discussed there. So if you're looking for a regular Parsha class, I'd love to see you. Um, and, uh, and in the meantime, I will talk to you next week.